people deluded i'm back again thank you very much for tuning back into another edition of the deluded podcast as usual good morning good afternoon good evening good night depending on who you are wherever you are in this world um thank you very much for tuning in it's 6 42 over here in the uk and yeah with monday night action being played yesterday you know you lot always know the podcast is delayed by 24 hours so we're here on a tuesday and we're here to speak about it now it's another busy week or better yet if you're arsenal you want to forget about what happened last week or sunday better yet two days ago um we've got champions league and europa league action and depending on who whatever team you support there's been shockers thrown up in the premier league the first shocker was actually yesterday for me in which Fulham defeated Leicester City two goals to one. Ivan Cal- Calviero scored a, a penalty and Lookman, who's going to be in the headlines for the right reasons. And it was a it was a touching tribute um, to see him um, lift up Papa um, Buba Diop's shirt or and, and, and stuff like that. Obviously, he, he formerly played for Fulham and he lost his life. Um, 2020 has been a poor year, but it's a big three points for Fulham. You know, Fulham are struggling and, you know, Fulham have won a Premier League game against a side starting the day in the top four of, of the table for the first time since March 2013 when they won 1-0 against Spurs. Prior to that, they lost 14 of 15 people, so... Yeah, man, quite the interesting game. Um, I'm sure you all saw, well, the actual game that was yesterday. Um, Aston Villa against West Ham. Now it had everything. It had a penalty missed by Watkins. You know, VAR shagged him when he thought he got a point. Big three points for David Moyes and David Moyes' men. Obono got them off to a flying start very early on in the game, people. Um it was a it was a very it was a very decent game. Um, obviously Grealish scored a deflective effort, and I saw Grealish kind of I won't say dive, but over theatrics for one and that's one thing about Grealish he's got to stop but I mean Grealish is a baller um yeah man West Ham got three points for West Ham now for the first time since May 2019 they've won three consecutive Premier League games people and they've only lost just one of their last eight in the competition um winning five and drawing two so maybe West Ham deserve more credit maybe David Moyes deserves more credit um to a degree because when it's all going wrong um, everybody, myself included, the footballing world asks is how long has David Moyes got and he's doing all right. Sentiment could change very quickly in football, so we need to be careful. Um, Ogbonna's goal, which took one minute and 50 seconds, um, was West Ham's fastest goal since November 2016 against Manchester United. Since making his Premier League debut for West Ham, Jarwood Bowen has provided more assists in the competition than any other player for the club with five. Whilst only Mikel Antonio has been involved in more goals during this period for the Hammers than Bowen. Solid addition from Hull City. Um, in terms of Grealish, you know you're having a good season when only Spurs duo Harry Kane and Son, with 16 and 11 respectively, have been in more Premier, been involved in more Premier League goals this season than Jack Grealish, in which he's got five goals, five assists, and I see no reason as to why he can't either get five goals or five assists. I do think he could get both, and um, but I do have to discount. You know, there's always a period these Mavericky players kind of you know, um, kind of go through a little bit of a wobble. But I do think it's going to be a campaign to remember for Grealish. Will this be his 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 last season at Aston Villa? Only God will tell you that. Um, but yeah, and for Aston Villa, I think they've lost four of their last five games. Any clues the last team they won against people, if that is true, you know it would be a certain team in North London, a certain team that, unfortunately, I support. Um, so yeah, man, I'm sure if you're West Ham, you're Fulham, you're smiling. 
is what it is for Leicester. You know, this is the only thing about Leicester. They'll put, they'll have a good season. They'll put good runs together, but they drop silly points against silly teams they shouldn't have. Um, with all due respect to West Ham, because Leicester, I'm sure they'll be kicking themselves. And they also lost four one. Did they lose? Did they? Who else? Look, I swear West West Ham beat Leicester as well. West Leicester have held another drumming in this league, people. Um, so it shows how crazy the league is. Obviously, Chelsea and Spurs drew nil-nil. Both teams live to fight another day. I'm sure both sets of fans, sets of players, coaching staff, not that anybody doesn't want to win, but you offered both a point, they'll take that. For Spurs, I, you can't help but admire Spurs. They might not have got the win, but I see it as a good togetherness from them. They're top of the league. Hopefully it doesn't stay like that for obvious reasons. But, you know, coming into it, they're coming into their toughest fixture list. Again, you know, you've beat you've beat United previously. So, you, you know, the boys shown they can do it. You've got a fantastic result, whatever way you did it, against Manchester City. You've got a draw of, of Chelsea. You know, four points in two games against those teams is a very good point. Now, if you're looking at it, the weekend to come, which we'll cover on Friday's podcast, it's, off, it's Arsenal versus Spurs. Now, again, we all know form and all of these things goes out of the window, but... If you can do well against those teams, you should think an under here and underperforming a fragile Arsenal team is there for the taking. But, you know, I think Spurs, like against City, their game plan was good. Obviously, City and Chelsea aren't the same team, so you saw a bit more from, from, from Spurs going forward. The same can be said for Chelsea. Both teams really just cancelled each other out, really and truly. And I won't say both teams played for a draw because they didn't, but it is what it is, people. Both teams live to fight another day. Um... For Chelsea, I'd say Chelsea need to shoot more and have more quality efforts because they've kept a clean sheet and Chelsea have been on a good run in terms of keeping clean sheets and they score a lot of goals, but they haven't scored too many goals, if that, against top six sides they've played this season. Not that they've played too many, but it is what it is. Uh, you could consider it two points dropped. I consider it a point game for both teams because you live to fight another day. Um you know, Mendy, who was brought in to simply do better than Kepper, has now kept five clean sheets in the Premier League this season, the mo most of any keeper. Spurs have won 13 points away from home in the Premier League this season, winning 401, converting to three points per win all time. OK, not sure what that means, but, you know, big up Spurs. Chelsea attempted just two shots from inside the box against Spurs. Since Lampard took over only against Liverpool in September, have they had fewer in the first half of a Premier League home game. Which, yeah, like I was saying, I think they the only thing is just shoot more inside the box. Stop trying to just walk it into the back of the net. Now, one of the games of the weekend was clearly Manchester United 3, Southampton 2, for obvious reasons. For Southampton, you know, you saw Hassan Hall, he, he was saying that Man United's players were celebrating. You could hear them celebrating like they won the league. And to be fair, you know, it's true and it shows how much United have fallen off. But at the same time, let's be real. If you come back from 2-0 down, you know you ain't played perfect, but you've got three points. There's pressure on your manager. There's pressure on the players. You're still trying to get top four. Arsenal are not in the top four race, but if Man United were looking at it, you've got Chelsea and you've got Chelsea and Spurs playing. You've got Arsenal against a, a very good Wolves side. You know you've you look you know you see you would have seen Liverpool drop to, drop points again. City were playing Burnley, so you take points, you move closer to the pack and whatnot. And obviously you see it now with Leicester dropping points. That's what all or everyone trying to get top four. That's what you need to do. Take points when you're when the opposition doesn't. It's a bit like for Arsenal, 
And what, what annoys me when we go into games like Villa or games against Wolves is for, we can talk about all the tactic stuff, but I always wonder, are we mentally in the game from the start? Because, you know, Arsenal played, with the exception of the Monday games, we played last, so we knew what everybody was. We knew the ramifications. Is that contributing to a slow start to us for obvious reasons? Because we're psychologically fragile, because we're scared, because we know if we concede, you know, we're dropping down from 14th or we're going up the table and whatnot. Moving, up, we'll, we'll get on to Arsenal, but you know it's a fantastic three-two victory for, for against Southampton for United. Of course, United it's not good enough by their previous standards. Still making games harder than it needs to be. Still having to turn games around. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is firmly holding on to his job by the scruff of his, the skin of his teeth. You have to big up Cavani. I know Cavani's um, been caught up in 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 a media, a social media sensation, sensational storm in which he's alleged to have used racist language. Now Man United have come out and. And said that um, you know the, the the terms and the and the and, and the way his use of terminology has different connotations in South America, in which it very might do. But you'd think Man United, the club which is probably the biggest in the league in a global presence, you would have someone a player liaison or something could have foresaw this and educated Edison Cavani because it's this is taking the heat away from. You know, a good performance for Gavani. He's jumped off the bench. He scored two goals. He showed fantastic movement. He showed, for me, what I've been telling you guys in that, you know, you cannot underestimate having out-and-out strikers or plan Bs or rotation options. I'm not trying to say Cavani is any of those things. What I mean by this is, you know, for for last year or so, United have had Greenwood, Rashford, Martial, them and they have been scoring goals and playing well. But like you see against Southampton, there's days where Greenwood might not be at it where Rashford might not quite be at it. To be fair, he scored, if I remember correctly. Um, no, he didn't, I'm guessing, but he, um, I'm thinking of another game. But you get the point. So when you've got someone like Cavani in the squad, you never know what can happen. You know, Giroud showed it last week in the Champions League. Um, Lacazette isn't quite to their level, but there'll be a game for Arsenal this season where we're struggling. Lacazette or Eddie will come off the bench and make something happen. Probably the West Ham game. My point being is you need out-and-out -out strikers in your side, and I think people really underappreciate it. Um, you know, so we should be talking about Cavani's assist and his wonderful movement. You know, one thing about Cavani when he signed movement, and I think he could score goals in this league purely because of that. Very street smart. Go and look at his assist and the goals, like the areas he's putting things into, the way he's moving. You know, experienced striker. And if I'm Marcus Rashford, if I'm Greenwood, if I'm Martial, I don't know how how long Cavani's going to be at Man United. But you should be working with him because he's got ag absolute great ingredients that you could take out of your game. You know, Greenwood, I see you being a number nine, you know. He's got all the technical ability. He can stand man up, but Cavani's movement, you'll bag an extra 10 plus goals just by being in the right place at the right time. They all count, you know. They're not always glamorous. Martial, one problem with Martial is probably doesn't run in behind enough. He probably wants it all too much defeat, you know. A lot of young players fall victim to that. So can you just be a bit patient? Because, you know, Cavani's assist, he actually starts out wide, sort of thing, more or less. So we should be speaking about that. And while Cavani has apologised for his social media posts and United have done the same people, apparently the FA is expected to investigate a social media post by Manchester United striker Edison Cavani. The Uruguay international shared an Instagram story from a fan using a racially offensive term. The post has since been deleted. Manchester United stressed that the word was clearly used in an affectionate manner and has different connotations in South America where Cavani is from. The club said the 33-year-old had been made such aware had been made made aware of such terms of how they are perceived very dis differently in the UK. 
The FA did not wish to comment on Sunday night, but Sky Sports News understand the governing body will probe will launch a probe into an online post. The owner of Instagram, Facebook has been approached for comment and, you know, United have issued an apology and it's been deleted and Cavani has had some. So if you're going to learn Cavani, learn quick because like I said, I don't. if he has used it in a racial term, then you lot know me. I don't stand here for that, people. Um, big up James Wood Prowse for that free kick as well. You know, he's one of the best free kick, free kick takers in the Premier League. He's probably, in my lifetime, probably one of the best free kick takers as well, just in terms of technique. And what people underestimate is consistency. The man is doing it, obviously not week in, week out, but week in, week out. It's the result of hours and hours and hours of practice on the training ground. And it's ridiculous. And he's having a good season. You know, he's Southampton captain. He's got into the England side previously. Injury shagged him. So that was decent. And Southampton, you know, it's, they've come a long way since, since Hassan Hortel took over. He's really had to take them up a lot. And they're a good outfit. They're playing well. But again, they showed why, along with Arsenal, my club, they're up there for points dropped in the league. Because whatever way you shape it, 2-0 lead at home, you should be able to see that out. You either go for the third or you protect your lead. And it didn't look like either or. Like, you could see United was were coming back. You know, at 2-0 down, you knew United could get three goals because there was too much space. Southampton players began to get a bit nervous. They then began to, began to be cheap mistakes, people. Um, and yeah, man, you know, big up Cavani for them two goals and obviously grabbing an assist for Bruno Fernandes. He's undoubtedly the star of the thing. I felt Fred mashed a little work as well. Um, but yeah, man, obviously United making games harder than it needs to be. In isolation, it looks great. 3-2 um, victory coming from behind. But they're making their away games in particular very tough, people. And actually um, at home as well, like West Brom or whoever it was, they won. But you're making these games harder than it needs to be. And the wins are paping over over cracks. And when they start losing, people will then, I guess, look at it. But at the end of the day, all United need to do is put a winning run together and three points is three points. For Man United, though, Manchester United are the first side in Premier League history to win four consecutive away games despite trailing in each tie, celebrating eight straight away top flight victories for the very first time. So again, that is what I mean, people, in the sense of they've been behind. Edison Cavani is the only is only the second player to be directly involved in three plus goals in a Premier League game after coming on as a substitute for Manchester United. After current manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer scored four against Nottingham Forest in February 1999, Bruno Fernandez, who you know if he doesn't score or doesn't assist, United might not get anything. Bruno Fernandez is the fourth Manchester United player to score five consecutive scoring five consecutive away games in the Premier League. And, you know, to be fair with you, if you're in and amongst these following names for any stat, you're doing the right thing. Ruud van Nistelrooy in 2002-2003, a certain Robin van Pagan, I mean Van Persie in 2013. And, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, a footballing legend in 2017. So I'm sure United fans want Bruno Fernandes for all his criticisms to keep it up. Um, only eight players in Premier League history have scored more direct free kick goals than Ward Prowse people who moves level with Jamie Redknapp, Norberto Solano and Frank Lampard, who are all on nine such. So I think we all know, you know, James Wood-Prowse is not only going to equal that, but you'd expect him to set some sort of distance because you can imagine, I don't, again, I don't know, but Wood-Prowse doesn't strike me as someone that's going to leave and play abroad. You never know. Um, the free kick thing isn't going to leave him overnight. He's only, what, 25, 26. You can imagine him, you know, probably to get double that really and truly. Um you know, I, I expect him to firmly run away with that. And whoever will take James Ward-Prowse's one, who knows, people? Who knows? 
Um, who else? So we've spoken about Leicester and Fulham. We've spoken about West Ham Villa. We've spoken about the nil-nil London derby between Chelsea and Spurs. We've covered United. Manchester City ran riot against Burnley, as you saw. You know, Mendy got his first goal for City. Riyad Mahrez bagged a dirty hat-trick. Ferran Torres got his first in the league and I think his fifth goal for Manchester United. They firmly bounced back from the Spurs result and ran riot on Burnley. And, you know, Burnley, Sean Dyche, Chris Wilder, who also lost, you're asking questions. How long are they going to stay on to their jobs, cling on to their roles, people? Mares, you know, he scored a hat-trick. I'd say, Mar I think Mares is underappreciated. Like, don't get twisted. You know you're playing for City to be surrounded by quality players and, and stuff like that. But I think if he was at another team, he'd honestly be a tiny bit more appreciated people because the man is the man is crazy he's blessed with technical ability you know he's blessed blessed with a lot of skill he could take a man on and you saw it for all the goals just simply running riot like i'm really surprised city only scored five goals they must have just been taking it easy on burnley um riyad Mahrez is the first player to score a hat-trick in a premier league game um, whilst also creating six chances since Santi Cazola did versus Reading in 2012 i couldn't even remember that i'm an arsenal fan so shout out to santi and riyad Mahrez. Man City are the only the second team in football league history to win four consecutive four successive apologies home games by five plus goals against a single opponent in all competitions. The next the last side to do that was Notts County versus Port Vale between 90, 1893 and 1907. Riyad Mahrez is only the second African player to score a Premier League hat trick for Manchester City after a certain Yaya Toure against Fulham in twenty fourteen. As I said already, Benjamin Mendy has scored his first goal for Manchester City with his 60th appearance in all comps. Um, the last time he found the back of the net um, was March 2017, in which he was playing for his former club, Monaco, people. I'm sure you all saw Leeds defeat Everton, a goal to nil. Rafina, who's been playing quite well for Leeds and was a tricky customer against Arsenal, um, got the three points for Leeds. They should have probably scored a couple of more. Um, I believe for Everton, they've lost... Um, four of the last five games or something of, along those lines now. Either way, if the statistics aren't right, you know, Carlo Ancelotti's men have hit a bit of a wobble. I still think they can have a great season, but this is where I think fans were going overboard or, you know, football fans proclaiming they're going to be in the Champions League and, and whatnot, people, at come the end of the season. It's a long season. We need to be careful, but it is two, three points, three important points dropped and Leeds is Everton's loss. Carlo Ancelotti's loss. Is Marcelo Bielsa and Leeds' game? They go marching on with their 1 0 victory. West Bromwich Albion won a goal to nil against Sheffield United. Chris Wilder's wondering how long I'm going to cling on to this job. Chelsea lonely. Colin Gallagher made the difference in that regard. Obviously, you saw Newcastle defeat Crystal Palace last Friday, two goals to nil. Darlow was in top form for Newcastle before Wilson and obviously later Joel Linton, who doesn't score too much chipped in and snatched great three points from Crystal Palace and ensured Newcastle go back up to, to Teesside, Tyneside, apologies, um, with three points, you know, important three points for Steve Bruce. I'm sure you all saw the Liverpool versus Brighton game, you know, it had everything. It had VAR, it had, you know, um, players, it had Jota scoring, it had Mupe at the talking, central talking point. It had a lot. It had two penalties. You know, Nico Williams learned based on that penalty and just the whole game. He's undoubtedly learned a lot. 
bit of a harsh one with Robertson on Danny Welbeck. I don't think that's a pen, but it is what it is in that regards. Um, it was a bad day and it's two points dropped for, for Liverpool. VAR shagged them as well. I think, they, if I remember right, there was a goal by Mane disallowed. I could be wrong in that regards, people. I think there was a goal disallowed, but it is what it is. Obviously, defensively, by Liverpool's own standard, they've probably been a slight shambles. A bit of it has been because of injuries. But if you remember with Van Dijk and with um, Joe Gomez, when they had a fit side, it weren't like they were shipping goals. But if you looked at the sort of goals they were conceding watching the highlights, it looked like they switched off a bit. Um, I think Liverpool have, have, have one win in four games in all comps. Um, the commentator on Match of the Day said, I'm not too sure about that. But yeah... Um, it's two points dropped and I still think Liverpool are going to win the league but you can see them and Spurs are drawn now. They could have moved ahead of Spurs and again, with all due respect to Brighton, Liverpool could probably only see that as two points dropped. Um, you know, I'm, I share Klopp's um, agreement on not only VAR but also the fixture schedule list and also the need for five subs but I'm not going to keep going, o going over that and I think it was funny how Klopp got at Chris Wilder in the build-up, well, in the aftermath of the game and said, ask oh, Chris Wilder because he voted for three subs. Um, so yeah man and I think Milner is now injured how long Milner's out for I'm not sure but it is a point dropped and to be fair with you if if some butts don't win football games but if Neil Mope decided to have his goal scoring boots on he would have probably nicked three points for Brighton um, you know like I said VAR played a main point and it's funny hearing Carragher speak about VAR, but Liverpool have dropped more points for winning positions this season than they did the whole of last season. They only dropped five points the whole of last season. They've dropped six this year. This is also the first time Liverpool have dropped points in the Premier League thanks to goals scored after the 90th minutes. 90th minute since August 2017, where Miguel Brit Britos scored, an, scored um, in a 3-3 draw against Watford. You know, Jota, you know, death taxes and... Diego Jota scoring seems to be the theme of life at the moment and he has scored nine goals in 14 appearances for Liverpool in all competitions. He's got eight in his last eight. So he's in red hot form and enjoying life at his new club, Liverpool. Neil Mopé is the first player to score a Premier League, um, to start a Premier League game, miss a penalty and be subbed off before halftime since 1998, April of that year. Um, any clues? You don't not attribute this player to that, but Dennis Burkamp was the last player and I didn't even want to include that stat for obvious reasons. Now, I'm sure you've all noticed I've tried to avoid a, 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 a talking about a certain sort of game. I've got a smile on my face. You don't know me. I love to talk about general football. Now, it's Arsenal versus Wolves. Arsenal needed to win. You've got the North London derby after this. You had a shameful performance against Leeds. You got yourself handed to yourself against Aston Villa. Um, You know, you look at our last games at home, we haven't had too much joy. You'd imagine the players would want to stand up. And also what I mentioned before in the sense of the players know the ramifications of winning, losing or drawing because they know f where they're going to stand come the end of the, come the, end of the day. Choked again, choked again, choked again. For the players, you know, choking. It's the same old couple of names, game in, game out, that turn up to be counted. But Kyle Saka didn't have the best of games, but I saw him more than several experienced players. Yeah, William got the assist and he weren't as bad as he normally is, but it was same old, same old. I love Pierre-Emerick Pierre Aubameyang and he doesn't have a, a, a creative man to help him. He is lacking creativity, creativity. The team have not been playing to his strengths and I've been saying for years it's a miracle how we've been able to score such. His luck might have run out, but at the same time, 
you can't absolve even him of all of all of all blame, you know, because he's a he's a cert, firmly a passenger. He's not getting the game by the scuff of his neck. He's not even just grabbing the ball from deep, trying to drive and having a one little shot, you know, things like that. He looked disinterested as well. Um, the midfielders, the less said about Xhaka and Ceballos, the better. Ceballos, you're not going to play for Real Madrid with performances like that. Ceballos, you know, you would have thought he was playing to the, to the standard where it looks like he's done Arsenal a favour, not only coming here initially, but staying here for another year. Hasn't been that. When you look at Danny Ceballos, he's got technique, he's got a passing range, he's just got no brain and he's got no consistency. He wants to play in areas that are not going to affect the team and he's just simply hidden in a shell recently. Xhaka is just a walking fire hazard, very slow, very cumbersome, very slow in speed of thought, very negative. Like there was a segment where chasing the game, Gabriel did very well to bring it out from the back. Xhaka's took it off him and gone backwards, struggling to see what Xhaka brings to the table. He's firmly a passenger in midfield. Joel Willock is too, you know, he had a better game in the second half. He tried, but he's too raw and naive. For me, he could be a squad player. He's not starting caliber right now. That's the midfield. Defence, poor, you know, David Luiz's head is, we'll get onto that, David Luiz's head is bust and in the build-up he looked like he's struggling, but it's a poor sequence of events, man. We knew going against Wolves, as I've said already, the wide areas, you know, Adama, Pedro Neto, Pedence picking up roles out wide from the 10 position and he was involved in the build-up for one of, his, one of the goals as well. We knew what to expect, we didn't win our 1v1 battles, we didn't win the second ball, we didn't earn the right to play we didn't start the game well enough if you was to watch the Leicester game um if you was to watch if you was to watch the Villa game and this game apologies you wouldn't know out of the two you wouldn't know out of them two games Arsenal was the home team didn't set it very reactive and I don't know if it's psychological because of you know watching other Premier League results I don't know if if Arteta's not getting through to these players but it's time and time again cheap mistakes costing yourselves and again these points add up you know you've cost yourself cheaply against Wolves by a mixture of mistakes and not starting well you know you've dropped six points when you consider Villa you know Leicester didn't kill the game off you know that's another three points we're already talking about nine points dropped already people off the top of my head you know a point gain, two points dropped, whatever way you look at it um, against Leeds, you know. But where are we getting to now? That's about 11 points off the top of my head before we speak about Liverpool City, which is different. But you get it. We're touching almost 15 odd points and we're going to drop points again this season. My point being, we're not showing the consistency levels to be in the mix for the top four because that's what I wanted to see. More of a being more in the mix having more of a fight actually just going into games like Villa Wolves and starting well actually and playing well not doing this because as, as great as they were tactically we you know we contributed to that I'm not trying to take anything away for Arteta it's concerning because I look at it this season the only managers you've beaten and and you know I give I, I'm not saying he can't outsmart man because you know he's beaten Klopp twice he's you know he's done his thing against Chelsea he's done his thing against City you know he's beaten United last year he, even when we've, you know, played against City and Liverpool and lost, there's been a better performance. So I'm not saying Arteta doesn't know what he's talking about. Arteta doesn't know his thing. He doesn't know his role. My point being, if I look at it this season, you've bearing in mind you've got the tactical genius in Jose Mourinho to come on Sunday. But, you know, you've got, you've apologies, people. You've gone against Nuno of Wolves. You've gone against Brendan Rodgers. Um, you've gone against Bielsa. You know, these are tactical, very good tactical managers, managers that have been at their clubs for a decent amount of time to put their blueprint. And for me, we haven't done our research enough to, to, to bang home that point because we haven't started well. Fair enough, I have actually in the Leeds and, and Wolves pre preview slash build up. I've heard what I've needed to hear from Arteta, so maybe the players aren't listening. But if when I look at Arteta, 
I think he's lost out tactically, you know. Obviously, we got a point against Leeds, so I'm not going to complain, but we was never in the, the game from the start. You know, Nuno, for the, against Southampton, he did it as well, but he went with a back four. He had Conor Cody back. Why wouldn't he go back to a back five? You know, pr prior to the week, last week, you'd have to go back to his time at Porto when he played a back four. He's got, he's got Liverpool next week. Do you think he's going to play a back four or he's going to revert to a back five? Why would he be confident? Because he knows he backs himself. He said Arsenal might have chances, but they'll give us chances. And we've got areas to exploit them, like the wings, you know, and, 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 stuff, and stuff like that. So I think we lost a tactical battle. And I think that shows the problem with Arsenal, that Wolves will say, you know, we'll change our system. And they got something out of it. They barely shoot in the first half of games. This week's probably the most positive. They did what they needed to do. When I'm seeing a Bamian cross, in the ball in the last minute of the game when I'm seeing we're putting 35 crosses in and barely any of them are hitting them you know crossing the ball is stupid for several reasons um, because you know we're trying to crossing the ball in the way we're doing it because they've got a height advantage we're doing silly short free kicks and corners players are not standing up to be counted we're just getting it wrong tactically from the manager and the players are not standing up to be counted like I can't just sit here and blast Arteta and just blast the players you know it is down to Arteta we changed it and we went four at the back players have to stand up to be counted Xhaka and Ceballos you want you've been on the bench you've been playing second fiddle stand up to be counted go and say play your way into the into the to the Spurs game for Joe Willock, you've had two starts now in the league. You ain't taking your chances, so he needs to control the bench. You know, William, fair enough, you got an assist, but your manager is starting you and starting you. With every start, we're looking at it like, yo, I'll tell you what he did. He's not giving him anything. Aubameyang, you got to go back through the middle. What are you, You're not doing anything. Not too Bellerin, never in the game, talks a lot off the field. Tierney and Gabriel, Tierney had a tough game. I think Gabriel did all right, stood up to be counted. I know it took a deflection off, Bellag off Bellerin, one of the goals, but I think Leno should have done better. And, you know, this is the players have got to stand up to be counted. I genuinely think players hide behind other men. Players are hiding, players are looking at other people. And when you've got players hiding, when you've got a predictable way of playing you know us we're slow we're cumbersome we're not trying to really break we're doing we're part players on five yards next to each other in fit we're even struggling to play five yard passes but you're playing five yard passes into players where they can't really do anything you know when you and all you got to do is set up a low block get men behind the ball you know we're defending against ourselves we're playing against ourselves as much as the opposition are it is poor and again for the players and Arteta it's more questions than answers this season and I'm sure off the top of my head, I ain't got it. But if you look at points dropped from winning positions, points dropped this season and all other negative stats, Arsenal are going to top it. The only good thing we did in that game is we hit back three minutes after conceding with a Gabriel um, header. That's it. We was appalling. And I'm sure, you know, the game is marred by all, by what happened to Jimenez. It's nice to see that Jimenez is recovering fine and he's in hospital and he's recovering. First and foremost, the man's got his life. But I think that, that clash between him and David Luiz highlighted issues. For me, again, I'm no genius. I'm no tactical expert. I mean, tech, medical expert. And I don't want to sound like a genius after it's happened. But one has to wonder, the in, not questioning the integrity, but what's the integrity in the decisions being made? You know, you've got, obviously, Jimenez is, Jimenez is out cold and David Luiz eventually had to come off. But if Jimenez was a bit more conscious, he would conscious he would have tried to play on, as with Luiz, because they're athletes, because they want to play. We need to save people from themselves, you know. Why was David Luiz allowed to make it through to half-time? And what's the damage being done? We've seen the dementia and concussion and all of these topics rise to the forefront Um 
rise to the forefront in recent in recent years um, and, and months of study. So why are we not practicing what we preach? In the grand scheme of things for both, well, Jimenez had to come off, but more focusing on Arsenal, you know, the football result isn't important when there's lives on the line. So we need to react quicker. One has to wonder as well, when you've got a manager stuck in game mode trying to get three points, when you've got the ref as well, when you've got the numerous medical men, you know, you're trying to get the man up to his feet or off the field or find conclusions as quick as possible. Is this enough time to really judge if if somebody's stable and ask if they're fine and whatnot? You know, we've all seen players have played while on concussion and we need to save people for themselves. You know, you could see David Luiz after, you know, he kept holding his head. He headed with his head once and it hurt. And the last, the, the goals we conceded, he's just made, you know, literally it looks like he's just trying to just trying to stay on his feet. So we've got to save players from themselves. We've really got to do a lot better and I felt we could have done a lot better. I know Arteta said the protocols were followed. Um, but it is what it is in that regards. And I'm not too sure how long he's going to be out for, if he's going to be out for any sort of time. But um, we'll have to see. But, you know, I'm wishing him and there's a speedy recovery. Um, for what it's worth, though, Arsenal haven't kept a clean sheet in any of their last seven Premier League home games. Their longest run without a league shutout at home since a run of nine between January and August 2007. And I heard we improved defensively. It's pretty damn damning there, isn't it? Pedro Neto, who was a constant thorn in our side and is prob Bellerin's probably still seeing him to this day, has scored as many goals in Wolves' 10 Premier League appearances this season as he managed in his 29 such last term. He's also scored in back-to-back -back games for the first time in the competition, so he's firmly adapted and found his feet. Um, Gabriel is Arsenal's joint second top goal scorer. Only Lacazette has scored more Premier League goals than the Brazilian defender, um, you know. Um, Brazilian with the Brazilian defender scoring with both of his shots on target in the campaign so far this season. So obviously he scored against. Um, forgive me if I'm wrong. He scored against Fulham, didn't he? So yeah, as great as Gabriel is, I don't want to attribute what he's doing to to to, to scoring goals, and that highlights the issue Arsenal are currently in. Arsenal have only come back to win one of their previous 13 Premier League games when trailing at halftime, while they they failed to win seven of each of their seven games in this run under Arteta. So what happened to the fight and the resilience and whatnot? Arsenal's tally of 13 points and were 14th as well is their lowest after their opening 10 games of a league campaign since 1981-82. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting change. You didn't do enough in the transfer market, retained faith in crap players. Can you be surprised you're in this situation? I don't think we're getting the best out of our minimal tools that we have available, but you get what you pay for. And like I said, I defined insanity. So it's firmly going to stay like this, isn't it, Arsenal? Um, you know, for Wolves, Wolves have amassed, you know, it was the first time in a while Wolves beat us at home. Wolves have amassed 17 points in this season's Premier League, losing three, drawing two and winning five. This is their most after their first 10 games of a top flight campaign since 1970-81. So big up Nuno and his and his men people. Their lo our loss, Arsenal's loss is firmly their game people. Away from that though, and there isn't too much in relation to what's going on in the world of football. As I kind of alluded to earlier, I once again want to say condolences and a massive RIP to Papa Buba Diop. The former Portsmouth and Fulham midfielder sadly has died at the young age of 42. I'm sure you all know him for playing in the Premier League for Portsmouth and Fulham. Obviously, he scored um, in the 2002 World Cup as well, which saw Senegal go 
to the to the quarterfinals, obviously against France. So he's a national hero. He's a Premier League former player. You know, forget all of that. He's a human being. He's a 42-year-old human being. So it's very upsetting to see he's lost his life. Now, admittedly, to me, I don't know his cause of death or whatever. Um, but it's sad. Like I said, 42 years of age, man. And 2020 has been a poor year. You know, there's sadly been a lot of death and a lot of tragedy and a lot of things to not really be happy about. And I don't want to be that guy, you know, it's typically said when things like this happen, but you genuinely have to ch channel, you know, your positive energy into the universe and treat every day as it, as its last and don't sweat the small stuff. What you think is big right now, on your deathbed, are you going to care, you know, mend relationships you can mend, push for whatever goals you can push because life is short. Take it from someone that's not six foot people. Life is short. Seriously, life is short, man. R.I.P. Papa Buba Diop, man. Hope you're in heaven, man, and you're doing well and you're kicking ball out there. And it's sad and condolences to his family and his loved ones and stuff. Because, again, we know him as a footballer. He's somebody's son. I assume he's somebody's husband. He's somebody's father. He's an uncle. He's a pillar in his community. I, 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 if I remember correctly, he did a lot of charity work, primarily in Senegal. He's an icon as well. You know, the nation of Senegal is probably at a standstill to a degree because, you know, he scored a goal that gave many people a fantastic moment. So it's sad, man. It's sad. R.I.P. Um, the Premier League say there have been 10 new positive results from the latest round of Corona testing. There were 1,381 players and club staff tested between Monday the 21st of November and Sunday the 29th. Those who tested positive have not been identified. What? And will now have to self-isolate for, for a period of 10 days. Okay. There were eight positive results from 150 tests between the 16th of November and the 22nd of November. Goal understands, or you can see I copied it from goals.com um, as well. As well as goal.com, apparently, you know, Barcelona's players have taken a wage cut, people. Um, and it will come in the form of a deferred payment of 122 million euros, 110 pounds, million pounds, um, you know, in the wake of obviously Corona. That's an issue. Um, moving away from that, though, and I'm sure you all know there's Premier League action back this week. I mean, man said Premier League, Champions League. Sadly, Arsenal are not in the Champions League. So let's quickly brief, briefly look at the Champions League to come. Today, you've obviously got Shakhtar Donetsk against Real Madrid. You've got Lokomo Lokomotiv Moscow against RP, La R R RP Salzburg. Apologies. You've got Borussia Mönchengladbach against Inter Milan. Now, that's a must win for Inter Milan. They have to win their remaining games if they first and foremost don't want to finish rock bottom. And to have any chance of qualifying out of this group, they've really had a disastrous campaign. Olympiacos play against Marseille. Marseille, I mentioned disastrous campaign. They're the living, breathing definition of that. They make Arsenal's Champions League performances um, look, look, look good, people. They will play Olympiacos. You've got Atletico Madrid against Bayern Munich and apparently Luis Suarez won't play due to, you know, still remaining positive. You've got Liverpool against Ajax. You know, Liverpool lost to Atlanta in their last game. I'm sure they want to bite back. You've got Atlanta against Michelin. You've got Porto welcoming Manchester City. You've got Istanbul against RB Leipzig. You've got Transdondor against Rennes. You've got Manchester United against PSG, which is going to be a good one at Old Trafford. You've got Dortmund against Lazio. You've got Ferin Cavos welcoming Barcelona. Juventus, who haven't been playing well at all, really, under per under um, Perlo. Whether they've won, they've made things where they've previously won 5-0 or 1-0, 70th minute victory. You know, Morata Mar and Ronaldo, last couple of games, have had something to say. But they will play against Dynamo Kiev. 
Club Bruges will play against Zenit, St. Petersburg. And finally, you'd have Seville against Chelsea, which is also going to be a tasty game, in my humble opinion. Moving away from that, though, and if we preview the real European action, you know, Champions League is way too mainstream, you know. Celtic's Neil Lennon might not even have a job. I know there's been positive talks surrounding his position, but he might not have a job. But I'm talking about the Europa League. You've got Ino Emre's Villarreal against Sevospor. You've got AC Milan against Celtic, which could be Neil Lennon's last game, depending on what happens. You've got Zora against Leicester City. Tel Aviv against Kat Yarabag. AEK Athens against Braga. Gent, Gent against Laberic. Red Star against Hoffenheim. Leo welcomes Sparta Prague. You've got CSK Moscow versus Wolfsburger. You've got Feyenoord against Dynamo Zagreb. Zagreb. You've got LSK welcoming Spurs, you've got Antwerp against Ludogrets, you've got Rangers against Standard Liège, you've got Cluj against CSK Sofia, you've got AZ Alkmaar versus Napoli, you've got Slavia Prague against um can't even I don't even know who that is, Beersheva. I think I need the English pronunciation. Another tasty fixture, you've got Spanish side Granada against the Dutch PSV, hopefully Noni, Noni and, and Marlon can have something to say. In Arsenal's group, you've got Mulder against Dundalk. You've got Sociedad against Rijeka. You've got Roma against Young Boys. Leach Poznan travel to Benfica. You've got Nice against Bayern Leverkusen. You've got AZ Amonia versus Pacal. And the fans will be back at the Emirates because Thursday at 8pm, you've got Arsenal versus Rapid Vienna. And... Pardon me, I'm not too sure if fans will want to return based on how they've been seeing us, but tickets have sold out. Um, the 2,000 tickets sold out. I tried to get on the ticket exchange. They don't even make it available to my level of membership, so I will not be returning. Also, in relation to the FA Cup draws as well, um, I might as well speak about that um, because I didn't. And I think, you know, there's there's been a couple of interesting ones, really. If you give me a second to load it up, people... Um, the, 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 the big one, and this is what the FA Cup is about, Northern Premier League side Marine will play Jose Mourinho's Premier League leaders, Tottenham, in the third round of the FA Cup. As you lot know, Marine, Marine while I'm ad, I find it admirable, they're just they're second in the eighth tier of the, of, of the English pyramid people. So they're going against the Premier League and they're welcoming Spurs to their ground in a time where COVID is obviously a problem. I'm not too sure for fans being let back in, but you'd imagine that's a nice little cash earner for this little club, whether they're going to stream it for a tenner as well as it being on BBC or whatever. Um, you know, this is why I don't mind the FA Cup because it means the world to these small players, um, small teams and whatnot. And obviously for the players, there's not going to be too many times you get to play against Spurs. Like, you know how Jose is on the pardon my language shithousery so he you very well might see Harry Kane Son and all of these top players um, it might not be it might just be young players you know the Jack Clarks the Tangangas and all these sort of players um, but whoever it is it's going to be a good one um, Northern Northern League Northside as well Corley Chorley will um, play against Derby um, Arsenal have been given Newcastle um, you know where the holders of the competition um, Newcastle I mean Liverpool will play to us will play Aston Villa the ties will be played over the weekend of the 8th to 11th of January 2021. And the draw in full goes Southampton versus Shrewsbury Town, Curley versus Derby County, Marine versus Tottenham Hotspur, Wolverhampton Wanderers against Crystal Palace, Stockport County versus West Ham, Oldham Athletic against Bournemouth, 
Manchester United versus Watford, Stevenage versus Swansea, Everton versus Rotherham, Nottingham Forest versus Cardiff, Arsenal versus Newcastle, Barnsley versus Tranmere Rovers, Bristol Rovers versus Sheffield United, Canvey Island slash the win Canvey Island will play, I assume, the winners of Boringwood versus Millwall. You've got Blackburn Rovers against Doncaster. You, you know, they've got our lone player, Tyrese John Jules. So you know me, you know, if you're Gillingham, if you're Oldham, if you're Doncaster, if you're Swindon, I want you lot to do as good as you can. Um, you've got Stoke against Leicester. You know, you've got Wiccan against Preston. Crawley play Leeds. Burnley welcome MK Dons. Bristol City against Portsmouth. You've got a North London... You've, a man said North. You've got a... Isn't that technically a West London derby? I know Fulham is southwest, but yeah, you've got QPR against Fulham. You've got Aston Villa against Liverpool. You know, Villa beat them 7-2 at their place last time they placed each other. You've got Brentford against Middlesbrough. Manchester City will welcome Birmingham. Luton versus Reading for me is going to be a good one. Chelsea have been handed Morecambe. Exeter will play Sheffield Wednesday. Norwich will play Coventry. Blackpool will welcome West Brom. Newport County will welcome Brighton and you have Cheltenham Town against Mansfield people so we'll see what the FA Cup is saying hopefully Arsenal can win that and you know considering the way we're going and the fact that we might be finishing eighth we might have to win the FA Cup again to be in Europe assuming we do negatively in the Europa League hopefully we you know if you're an Arsenal fan you're just hoping that things can get better if not it is what it is on that note, though, people, like I said, we'll be back on Friday with, you know, another edition of the DG podcast, the deluded podcast, a really and truly podcast. In that, we'll review what's happened over Europe. We'll review what happens over any talking points and we'll preview the game. So make sure you're there. Obviously, it's North London Derby week. There's a lot of interesting games to be had. There's a lot of interesting games to come. So I'll see you lot all day. But for this, we've been here for around 40-odd four, four, minutes. I hope I've given you lot some real content to brighten up your morning. Please make sure you're following me across all my socials and you're aware of me on YouTube because I always live stream. I always provide a lot of talking points. I do love to do a podcast because it makes me look at football from a more neutral point of view. But yeah, make sure you're following me across Twitter, across YouTube, across Twitch, everything. Just check the bio or check the description and make sure you're following across everything. Make sure you've hit your follow on on spotify come people run them streams up on that note though i'm out of here people dg it's always a pleasure i'm out